Let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We've been doing a series called Created for a Purpose. And I've been on Sunday mornings, but I sidetracked this morning a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll look at it tonight. Instead, I just want to mention that in the month of June, we're looking forward to having Dr. Don Sisk with us. And Dr. Sisk is now, I believe, 88 years old and uh, still preaching somewhere almost every Sunday. Still does all his own scheduling, so he plans his own plane tickets and all the rest and gets on a plane and flies from here to there. And it doesn't matter uh, if he lands at 2 in the morning. He just goes, goes, goes. And so uh, we're looking forward to having him. You say, why are we having him? Because we can. That's really the only reason. And um, just wanted to make sure that we could get him up here before he's not able to come any longer. And who knows when that will be. And uh, he's, he's been praying. He says he's told me that he prays all the time, Lord, let me live till I die. I just want to die in my sleep. I don't want to have to stop preaching and take time off and sit in a hospital or nursing home. He says, just let me preach and then go. And uh, that's what he's praying. And so uh, anytime I've heard Dr. Sisk, it's been missions primarily. There's been a few times at the summit or where have you that he's preached something else, but primarily on missions. And so this time, I want him to come and just preach to us. Uh, he's been in the ministry almost 70 years, and I've uh, been preaching that long. I just like to hear what God has taught him and how he can help us with it. So he'll be here in June. He'll preach uh, Sunday morning, June 19th. Sunday night, he'll preach to our graduation students. And then we'll be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night just, just to have some preaching. It'll be good, all right? And uh, if, if we have to, we'll get some pies here or something to get you out. But we'll do something on those nights and just have a good time. I, like, I, remember, I remember before COVID, remember we do a parking lot fellowship, we called it? You didn't even know it was happening. We would just dismiss church, and we'd have the teenagers outside with ice cream, just handing out ice cream, and uh, have a parking lot fellowship. I like those, and on a nice night, it was good to do that. So it feels like we should be doing that tonight if anybody wanted to run out real quick and get some ice cream, but beautiful day. Thank the Lord for it. June 19th, mark your calendars, all right? That's graduation, and uh, look forward. I, I'm so thrilled that our, our school kids are going to get to hear from Dr. Sisk. And, and uh, listen, I, I, I don't want to put anybody on a pedestal, but I really appreciate his ministry and his wisdom. And so it'll be a help to us. So mark your calendar, June 19th, 20th, 21st, and 22nd, all right? And uh, that'll be a real blessing to us, I am sure. I, I have, for years, had a complaint. I'll get a flyer in the mail or an email and it will say, come to this conference. It'll be some of the most spirit-filled preaching. It'll be the most powerful preaching. And I'm thinking, you haven't even heard it yet. How do you know that? But I, I'm pretty sure Dr. Sisk will be a blessing. I'll say that. All right? I, I'm pretty confident that it'll be good. So you want to come and be a part of it. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to read one verse. And as we look at created for a purpose tonight, we're going to look at created unto good works. Created unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 10 with me. <clears throat> for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's read it again. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Father, I've enjoyed being in the house of God tonight. I've enjoyed singing some of these old songs that we haven't sang in a long time. And and Lord, it is glory just to walk with you. And Lord, if we know that the closer we walk, the more glory we share, the greater blessing that it is. And I pray that you just draw us closer to you tonight. Lord, we need the Spirit of God to speak to us and help us, Lord. I pray as we look at this created for a purpose that we would understand one of our purposes is that we were created unto good works in Christ Jesus. So, Father, I surrender to you and ask that you might fill me and help me, Lord. Lord, may the Spirit of God speak to each heart. We'll thank you. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 is known for its theme of grace and salvation. If I were to say you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, as I did a few moments ago, you're probably thinking, okay, we're going to hear about salvation by grace through faith. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We know verse 1 says, and you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. What a wonderful verse to know that the Spirit of God comes and makes us alive who were once dead in sin. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, to the Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We once were something. We were children of disobedience. The Bible says among them or among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You say, I, I, I don't know much about that. I, I never lived like that. But he compares us to that. That's where we were. That's who we were. We accounted ourselves among the sinners of this world and we were the children of disobedience and the children of wrath. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy. Boy, that's a great verse to underline, isn't it? God who is rich in mercy. Think about the things that this world counts as being rich. Our God is rich in mercy. He owns the cattle on the thousand hills, but he doesn't care a thing about it. His streets are paved with gold, but it doesn't matter. When the Bible says God is rich, he's rich in mercy. And he's rich in mercy toward us. The Bible says he is rich in mercy toward us for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were quickened together when we were dead in our sins. That's when God showed mercy. Verse 6, and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a reward that God has given us that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In verse 10 that we have now read three times, the apostle reminds us that we are saved. There is something that is expected of us. If you are in Christ Jesus... Created in him unto good works, he expects us to live for him. I look at that phrase when I see the phrase in Christ Jesus, and especially the word created in Christ Jesus, I'm reminded that transformation must always take place before confirmation. You know, the Bible says that it is predestined that we be conformed 
to the image of the Son. There's something that's going to take place in our life over time. God has preordained that, that once we are saved, we'll begin to look more and more like Jesus all the time. But the first step is transformation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Friends, if you're here tonight and you're just trying desperately to look like Jesus, let me tell you this, you have to be transformed first. You must be born again. The Spirit of God must come in and quicken your life as it says in chapter 2 and verse 1 because you are dead in trespasses and sins. You must be born again. You must be a new creation in Christ in order to be conformed to the image of the Son. What I'm trying to say tonight is if you are truly saved, your life will show it. And that's what the Apostle is reminding us in verse 10, that we are his workmanship. Christ did a work in your life the moment you got saved. Think about it this way. God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that God made the animals and God made the plants and God made all that there was. The Bible says he made the sun to rule the day and he made the moon to rule the night. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 and we find the summary statement of when God created man. And it says this, instead of the word made, it says God formed man out of the dust of the earth. You say, what is the difference? The word formed literally means to make with his own hands as a potter does with clay. Think about that. God spoke, let there be light. God spoke and he called vegetation upon the earth. But God with his own very own hands made us. We were created in the image of God. We sing songs like I am, or he is the potter and I am the clay. His banner over me is love, that kid's song. Uh, I think Donna sings a song, the potter knows the clay how much pressure it can take. And so we, we understand that metaphor, that analogy that is made in Scripture, but it comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, as God formed man from the dust of the ground, we were like clay in the potter's hands. He created us for a purpose to bear his image, but then mankind fell. Adam sinned. But Christ, in Ephesians chapter 2, tells us he has the ability to make us new. To take that which has died and quicken it, to make it alive. So God had created us with a purpose and now God, Jesus Christ has remade us. He has made us a new creature in Christ that we might be his workmanship created unto good works. Let me say this. If you're saved tonight, God has a purpose. And he wants you to do good works. Now notice Verse 9, or verse 8. I want you to be very clear about something. You are not saved by good works. You are saved unto good works. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is the gift of God. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Here's the thing, the unsaved person is trying to do good works and good works, but all of our works are but filthy rags. There's nothing good in us. The Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights. There's nothing good in us but Jesus Christ. 
And when God shines into our life and Jesus Christ saves us, then we can go about and doing good works. And so tonight, we'll spend a few minutes examining this passage, saved unto good works. If I could summarize it any way, I'd say it this way. Be good and do good. Be good and do good. But you can do neither without Jesus Christ working in your life. Be good and do good. I only have two points tonight. Here's number one. It is a monumental scripture. Monumental. What do you mean by that? It just has a ton of meaning. There's a lot to unpack here, a lot to think about. And I want to give you four things quickly. Uh, I said I had two points. I got 47 sub points, so hold on. How do we achieve what God has purposed in our lives? How do we go about doing good if we are actually sinners just saved by grace? That's because you are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. You are his prized possession. He didn't just speak you into existence. Instead, he formed you with his hands and he breathed into you the very breath of life. And then when we died because of sin, the Bible says it took the very spirit of God to come into our lives and quicken us and make us alive. We are special to God and because of it, he wants us to go about doing good works. And we see first of all tonight that these good works, if there's any good that is to come out of the believer's life, it must be produced by the scripture and the spirit. It must be produced by the scripture and the spirit. Now, turn if you will, keep your finger in Ephesians 2, but turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we know the passage of scripture here, how perilous times shall come in verse 3. And Paul gives Timothy some instruction. He, He wants them to know that in these perilous times... There's something that we can hold on to. There's something that we can plant our feet on. The Bible says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You say, well, I want to do good. I want to live right. I want my life to show that I, that I know Jesus and I, I want people to see the fruit of my life and, and understand that I'm a child of God and I, I want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day and I want my works to be tried by fire to come out as gold and silver and precious stones. I want something to give back to Jesus that is only cultivated by the Spirit and by the Scriptures. The scripture is given by inspiration, by the very spirit of God as he breathed out these words and he put it upon paper for us to have in our hand tonight that we might grow and understand. And if we are going to do good and be good, as as I've summarized that verse tonight, it must come from the word of God mixed with the spirit of God. But I want you to see, secondly, when we go about doing the good works of the Lord Jesus Christ because of his hand upon our lives, it is the very profession of the saint. I want you to think about that tonight. Turn to Second, or 1 Timothy chapter 5. Back just a couple pages. 1 Timothy chapter 5. It is the profession of the saint. You remember this morning we talked about let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and say so meant to profess. Our works profess something of us. If you go about doing bad all the time, they think you're a bad person. 
we go about doing good, they think you're a good person. That is not a biblical standard. That's just the standard of the world. He is a good man. Why? Because he does good things. He's a bad man because he does bad things. But our righteousness is but filthy rags in the sight of God. So we must be doing the works of God. We must be filled with his spirit. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. It, it, it shows who we are. It is a testimony or the profession of the saint to go about and to do good works. Now turn to James chapter 2, and it's an important verse that I want you to look at tonight. James chapter 2, so turn there with me. James chapter 2. Look at verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 18 and 20, repeat the phrase that faith without works, and we need to show our faith by our works, but verse 19 really sticks with me. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. You can say what you believe, and you can say that you have faith, the devils themselves believe, but show me your faith by your works. Is your faith in action? They used to say years ago, put your money where your mouth is. If you believe in something, invest in it. And I'm here to say tonight that if we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died on a cross and shed his blood and, and, and rose from the grave victorious over death and hell as has secured for us eternal life in heaven forever when we die, then the very least we can do is serve him by our works. He says this, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Works will not save you, but they profess a saving faith that a change has taken place. So good works are produced by the scriptures. They're the profession of the saint, but they're also profitable for the saint. Profitable for the saint. Titus chapter 3 verse 8, listen to this verse. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So how is that? When I go about doing good, when I do the Lord's work, when I go out and try to help somebody or be able to, how is that beneficial to me? And by the way, we should never do anything to say, what's in it for me? But what's in it for me? Could it be that God blesses you? Could it be that God reaches down and gives you more than you gave away? How many of you ever heard that God is a debtor to no man? I, I hear those cliches and I don't necessarily have a verse that I can throw out and say, hey, I can support this with scripture. I, I, I don't want to be uh, anti-biblical tonight in any way. But I'll say this through experience, I know you can't outgive God. 
I know that God will never owe me anything. Uh, there's no way I can ever balance the scales. But I know this, that when, when we go about and try to serve the Lord, it is always profitable for the saint. God opens the windows of heaven. He pours out a blessing. And, and it seems like we don't even have room enough to receive it. Malachi chapter 3. I think tonight we could go around and take testimonies of believers tonight. I, 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 I won't do it because we ought to let our good be done in secret. Amen? We ought not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. But I think we could take testimonies tonight and say, it's true. God always blesses me if I try to be a blessing to others. God always helps me when I try to help others. God always pays back, and sometimes many more. It is profitable for the saint. But listen to this. Good works are to the praise of the Savior. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. If you never get anything out of it, it brings praise to God. Isn't that what we are to be doing? Isn't that what the Great Commission says? We're to be pointing people to Christ, telling them about Jesus. I, I can't imagine if you're absolutely miserable all the time and you can go tell someone, let me tell you about my Savior. It doesn't work. But if you're doing good and you're serving the Lord and you're filled with the Spirit and you're trying to be a blessing to people, uh, they say you catch more flies with honey. 1 Peter 2 verse 12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, be your, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. They may not like you, but by your good works they'll glorify God. They'll see a difference in your life. They'll see a change. Good works bring praise to the Savior. It is a monumental scripture, but number two, it is a measuring stick. Now turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. Let the first point tonight just be an introduction. And let me just spend five minutes preaching this last point. But this is what I'd really like you to take home with you tonight. It is a measuring stick. Notice what he says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. We belong to him. We were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Notice that word good. The word good. There's a, there's a lot of ways to define that word, really, isn't there? We, uh, my wife and I have very different tastes. So we'll sit down and have, if we have roast beef, I like horseradish. Anybody like horseradish? The hotter, the better. I, I mean, clear your sinuses hot. I like it. And so I'll put that. My wife doesn't want it anywhere near her. She doesn't like the smell of it. She doesn't want it anywhere near her. I like ketchup on French fries. She hates ketchup. I like HP sauce because it's tangy and hot and spicy. She doesn't like it. She's Mexican and doesn't like hot things. I do. I don't know what it is. I, I, the hotter the salsa, the better. She likes mild. It's just, it's kind of different. We have different tastes. And so if she puts something in front of me or somebody else, we go to a restaurant, maybe get something and put it in, and she might say, oh, this is terrible. And I'll say, oh, it's good. I like it. That's, I'm glad you don't like it. Hand it over. Put it right over here. Amen. 
So we have different tastes of what we think is good. Let me say this. When the Bible talks about good works, it's not by our standard. It's not by our standard. It's by God's standard. When we go about doing good works is, are we pleasing to God? Well, that sometimes can be pretty subjective as well, can't it? I've been in places where they'll say, well, you know, we're so glad that we have Christ-honoring music, and it's like a funeral dirge. And then I've been in places where they're they're just rocking out, and they say, well, we have Christ-honoring music. I think, well, they both can't be right. They're trying to honor God. They're trying to do good. And so how do we define what is good? It depends on whether or not we are pleasing the Savior. And you say, well, how do I turn to a scripture? Well, that's one way. We look in the Word of God. But here's a couple tests. Number one, do our good works edify or exhort the saint? And number two, do they exalt the Savior? And here's the thing. They cannot be exclusive. They cannot be exclusive. You say, what do you mean by that? Sometimes we will say something, we'll post something on our social media, we'll do it, and we'll say, well, I'm just trying to encourage the saint. If you did not exalt the Savior, you did not encourage the saint. You understand what I'm saying? If it cannot bring glory to God, you didn't exalt anybody. All you did was get a bunch of people to like what you had to say or agree with you, or nod their head, or shout amen, but if it did not exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, if it did not bring him glory, you did not exalt the saint. All you did was bring him up to your level, or bring him down. When we elevate somebody to see Jesus Christ, then we've exalted the saint. We've exhorted them, we've edified them. I had this thought the other day. I wonder if I got to heaven... And I walk in and I see Jesus with a cell phone. You think that's funny? It is kind of the picture of that, isn't it? And he's scrolling like this. Lord, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm just looking at your social media here. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to see if I can find me in there. I want to see how much Jesus you've got on your Facebook and on your Instagram and on your Twitter and your twits and whatever all the things are. I just want to see how much I'm in there. Oh, I see a lot about Ford and Trudeau. I didn't know they were your heroes. Oh, wait, no, I guess they're not. Whoa. Hmm. Despising government, huh? I think I said something about that in Peter and Jude. Hmm. Let me scroll a little farther and see if I can find me. Is there a scripture in here? Boy, that would bother me. That would bother me. I would have to say the things that I think are good maybe aren't up to God's standard. Are we bringing him glory? And if we're not, we're not exalting any, we're not not exhorting or helping anybody. All we've done is bring them up to our standard. When we do good works, it is a measuring stick. Here's the test. Here's two, right? Number one, do your good works 
align scripturally? Do they line up with scripture? It stands to reason that if the man of God is truly furnished unto good works by the inspired, infallible word of God, then our works will line up with the word of God. Otherwise, they're not good works. They're, they can be works. They can be the works of man, but they're not necessarily good works in the eyes of God. Do they align scripturally? It's not wrong necessarily to have fun. I like having fun. It's not wrong to do things outside of church. It's not wrong to enjoy certain things. It's not wrong to have opinions. We are also citizens. But we are to bring glory to God in all that we do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. We are to bring God glory in everything. It's our theme for the year. It's our scripture for the year. And so do they align scripturally? And number two, here's the question. Do they accept scrutiny? They say, well, I don't care what anybody thinks. Me neither. There's one person, though, that I care about. And all my works will be scrutinized one day. Not my sin. Praise God, my sin is under the blood. Cleansed. Washed away. But my works will be judged. Let's look at those scriptures tonight. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, look, if you will, at verse 19. And this is the com- and sorry, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil, listen, hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. John chapter 1 tells us who the light is. It's Jesus Christ. He is the true light that lighteth the world and shineth into every heart. It says, he that doeth evil, he hates the light. And he doesn't come to light. Why? Because his deeds should be reproved. Verse 21, but he that doeth truth come into the light and his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Hey, if you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not ashamed of what you're doing. You'll stand right before Jesus and say, Lord, I'm, I'm an open book. As a matter of fact, if I'm doing anything wrong, Lord, please show me. Please reprove it. Because I want to serve you. Do our good works or do our works accept scrutiny? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're almost done. I know I've ruined supper. Let me tell you something. My toes get stepped on just as hard as yours when I read these scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Our works will be tried. Every work of what sort it is. Some will come forth as gold, silver, and precious stones. Some will burn up as wood, hay, and stubble. But the question is this. When we are doing our works, the only way to know that they're good or not is do they align scripturally and do they accept scrutiny? We were created by God for a purpose, and we sinned. But in Christ Jesus, we've been renewed. We've been made alive. We are new creatures in Christ, and he desires for us to serve him, to show our love to him with our good works, with joy and gladness, going about doing good for his glory. But can we look at the things that we are striving for right now and honestly say, I'd like to take all that I'm doing, all that I'm saying, all that I'm serving the Lord with, and I'd be happy to take it right now and stand before the Lord. Are you carrying gold, silver, and precious stones, or are you carrying wood, hay, and stubble? Not by your standard, but by His. I got thinking today... You know, this morning I was kind of broken up over Terrence. I just was so glad and thankful that a little boy felt like he could just come to our church and pray. Growing up here at Bethel, he'd been here for, oh, since he's just a little guy. I don't know what he's learned over the years. I don't know if he's ever made a profession of faith. I, I, I'd have to talk to some of his teachers. But I'm glad he knows that he can come and sit and pray. But here's the thing, he's, he sees all of us. He's watching our behavior. He's looking, listen, listen, he's looking for gold. He's looking for silver. And he's looking for precious stones. He has no use of wood, hay, and stubble. Because it'll just burn up and be gone. What he needs from the people of Bethel Baptist Church is for us to serve the Lord, to influence his life, to impact his life for Jesus Christ. Anything that will burn up is useless to Terrence and every other kid in this room like him. But gold, silver, and precious stones will last. Didn't the Lord Jesus Christ tell one of the churches of Revelation that though they were rich, they were really poor, they were miserable, blind, they were naked, and they should buy of him gold tried in the furnace? Could it be that's the gold he's talking about? The same gold that he will take from the works of his people and try it in a furnace, and it comes out to the praise of his glory.
I think for a long, long time, in multitudes and multitudes of churches, we've just handed the next generation wood, hay, and stubble. Would to God that they'd see some gold and silver and some precious stones. May they write on your tombstone, they may not have been perfect, but boy, they were faithful. They loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And they loved to serve. Maybe that be the epitaph of our life. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Wouldn't that be neat? Walk through a cemetery and see somebody's headstone and it just says gold, silver, precious stones. I know what that means. It means they live their life doing good works for Jesus Christ. And that's what the next generation thought of them. Let's pray. Father, help us. Lord, stir my heart. So many of us think we have nothing to offer, but everyone has influence. Everybody impacts somebody. God, I pray that you'd help us examine our lives and help us, Lord, to make sure that we are producing that gold, that silver, the precious stones that you command that would be stand the scrutiny of our Savior and line up with Scripture that we might have an influence and impact on the next generation. Lord, stir us tonight. Lord, it's not good by our standards, it's good by God's. When he looks into my life, oh God, I pray that you would find more of Jesus and less of me. More of Jesus and less of complaining. More of Jesus and more of Scripture and less of wasteful and frivolous things. Lord, I pray that we would take that refiner's fire tonight and, and try ourselves. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would take the time to examine our lives scripturally. So I pray that you speak to us tonight. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Let's just do business with God.